Hi, you're listening to Happy Hour with Stretch and Stir Fry. Yes, on SailWorld.com, YachtsandYachting.com, and iTunes. This week we board the virtual jet, head transatlantic and back to the US of A. We hook up with our guest who is a true waterman. He lives on board a boat, he free dives, he foils, he's a musician and he's a two-time J70 world champion. We welcome to the pod, Victor Diaz de Leon. Here he comes. Victor's coming on the line. He's joining us from Miami. Victor, how are you? Hey, what's up, Stuart Fry? I'm doing well. How are you doing? Very good, matey. Nice to speak to you. I've got Stretch, my good mate, on the other line. Victor, how are you doing? Hey, Stretch, I'm doing well. Good to see you as well. Yeah, it's nice to see you. So now, come on, give us a, give us a guided tour of the boat. <laughs> right, so here is a... Uh, I just moved here, um, like, I don't know, a week ago, and it's probably my third night here, so... Um, I'm getting to know it myself, but uh, oh wow, it's a beauty! What is it? It looks like a traditional American kind of cruising boat. What kind <laughs> of boat is it? It's called a Pan Oceanic 43. Nice. Um, oh, it's got a lot of space. Uh, for a shower. I've been uh, just jumping in and putting some shampoo and then jump, jump in again. And, and um, are you looking after it for someone or are you renting it or well it's my buddy's boat he's one of my, be- my best friends and we've become uh fishing mates uh, we always go fishing together and we free dive together and i have a power boat i have a nice uh fishing boat so um he said hey why don't you move into my boat if you want to leave that house just go to my boat and i said all right well i'll pay for the mooring and he said well why don't you just pay for a marina for your, your power boat and we go fishing every day and uh you'd live on the boat for free and i said well that sounds pretty good let's do that and that's not a bad so we deal. made a deal yeah so we go fishing every day on my powerboat and you know i live here for free happy days god i'm jealous. yeah exactly nice and he I'm, I'm really new here so i still um you know gotta get used to it and figure out where everything is but um this is my this is my bed right here <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm, my buddy, my buddy has twins, and they were here this weekend. Um, yes. They're really for, fun. For the, for the radio them. audience, Victor is now showing us a child's cot. <laughs> I'm, I'm worried, Victor. That that could really frighten any females off the boat quite quickly. Oh my god, you're right. Maybe we have to edit this part. <laughs> um, and this is where I sleep. This is my um, right. my bedroom. Bathroom. There's two bathrooms, actually. It's a big boat. Nice. I'm happy here. I like it. I'm enjoying it. Good. I don't know how long I'm staying for, but I figured I would uh, try this out, see if I enjoy it. So in your transient life, what's your next, um, and obviously allowing for COVID, what's your next um, kind of uh, feature regatta? What, what, what's your next big thing? Uh, well, I'm actually going to do some sailing this weekend, which I'm excited about. I found out this morning there's a regatta from Miami to Key Largo. But because of the COVID situation, they're doing a instead of going all the way to Key Largo, we're going to go halfway to a marker and, and around that and turn and turn back. And it's going to be 
12 miles each way, so 24 miles. Yeah. And uh, I'm going to do that on an iFly catamaran. I don't know if you guys have seen that, but uh, it's this new catamaran concept where that has a uh, flight control system, the uh, foiling cat. Oh and uh, I did. I sailed it a couple of times, and I enjoyed it. And um, I think it's going to be really fun. The boat handles really well and, um, you know, chop. And um, it foils early because it has a, a code F. It's called code f because it helps foiling but it's like a jenniker yeah so you can put that up when it's light and get on the foils early like a super zero and, yeah exactly and uh, yeah. it's a little bit uh it's a little bit of a different concept um it's it the tack of the sail is on the lured hole rather than in between the two holes so you have to tack it and Whoa. jive it but um you know I, I haven't tried it that much but it looks pretty cool and uh, the reasoning behind it is um, it creates an end, an end plate on the lured hull. So yeah. I'm, I'm excited to give that a try. And, and when I sailed the boat, um, it performed really well. And so what, what size you know, is the boat, Victor? What length overall? It's 14 feet. And I'm going to sail with my friend Natalia. And uh, she's a great sailor. So I, you know, I'm in good company. And uh, yeah. she's also a Miami local. So I'm, uh, I'm going to get some good help out there. Nice. It's going to be good. Yeah. You mentioned foiling multi-hulls. Um, I mean, one of the reasons we're so keen to get you on is you're a bit of a foiling wizard. Um, <laughs> Thanks. You, you, I mean, you sail the moth whenever you can. Um, yeah, I did a lot of moth Talk sailing. us through what you have at the moment and your gear and, and you know, the pros and cons of moth sailing. Uh, you know, I, have, I did a lot of moth sailing and I love it. It's my absolute favorite. Um, I did two world championships to which I, I prepared really hard for. And... Um, Right now, I don't own a moth at the moment, but I'm thinking about getting back in the game. And my, I, I do have a foiling machine, if you will, which is uh, it's a surf foil that I've been using it as a surf foil. Basically, we go out when we're fishing. We fish all day, and, and if it gets windy from the east, so it's onshore, there are some waves, and I tow, behind, I tow behind the boat and then let go of the rope once I'm up, and I can, I can go forever. I can ride downwind waves forever on this foil. It's amazing yeah. how efficient they are. And it's a good workout because you have to pump to get on the way, to stay on the wave sometimes. And, um, yeah, so that's all. And, and I'm doing a little bit of kite foiling as well. That doubles as a kite foil. I use it when I'm kiting and, and I foil on it, but, uh, yeah, I want to get back on the moth. You know, the pros of the moth is that it's, it's like the, you know, it's a formula one of, of, of dinghies. It's so much fun. Um, exhilarating. Your racing's epic. You're hauling ass, you know, close proximity to a bunch of other boats and, the, ad the adrenaline gets going pretty good. And, you know, I guess the cons, everyone says that it's costly and, um, you know, it gets expensive because you're developing, developing, developing. But, um, you know, I guess there's a price to pay when you want to race the, the highest performance boat. And that's going to be in it like that in any sport. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I guess some other people also get afraid of the idea of doing a lot of boat work. But, I think gear has gotten so much better now that things rarely break. And um, to be honest, me being a little guy, I don't break nearly as many, as many <laughs> things as the big guys that really load it up. And uh, I also can't hike for very long. So <laughs> I don't, I'm not breaking many things. The only things I break are my foils if I hit a fish or if I run aground. So, um, which I have done plenty of times in the past. But, and, and if you're uh, sailing from Miami, where would you boat from? Where would, where would be the best place to go foiling from? You know, my favorite place is Shake Lake. Um, yeah. They have a hangar 
that you can leave your boat rigged overnight with a sail up. They close the hangar. There's no wind. It's, there's shade. It's very secure. And everyone there is super friendly. It's a great organization. Um, you know, they give uh, opportunity to kids that uh, otherwise wouldn't have opportunity to go sailing. So, you know. Um, yeah, it's a cool place. It's a really cool place, yeah. So I, I really like sailing out of there. That's, that's my favorite. I actually entered this regatta as uh, I, my yacht club says Shake Lake. I'm going to sail for Shake Lake. Nice. I don't even know if they know that, but before you got into guys. the Etchells, I think the the first couple of Jaguar Cups we did, we we sailed out of Shaker Lake. Oh yeah, there you go. That's yeah. yeah I I still sail the J70s and the Modus 20s out of there. I really like that place, and I'm friends with the guys that work there, and it's a good it's a good place. And and just just going back to the moth, just would you have a hull that you would try and get if you were going to jump back in, or is it kind of it doesn't really matter now. It's all about the foils and the and the rig. No, I you know I think um, I'm starting to do a little bit of research, and I know that there's a hole coming out that's called the wing the wind flyer that looks very interesting to me, and they are really taking the concept of windage you know to a whole nother level. They're really focusing on minimizing windage. Yeah, and um, you know they're also doing some cool things with a foil where. Uh, the push rod is not exposed, you know, it, there is an, usually you, there is a gap between the flap and the, and the main foil. And so the flap can move up and down. And then the push rod is, uh, it's exposed in that gap. And, um, and these guys have eliminated that rod there. So that's going to be even more, you know, a little more slick. And I'm, you know, I'm enthused and intrigued by that, by that, boat called the wind the wind flyer but uh you know i last boat i had was an exocet and that was great you know they're really reliable um you know they won't all the last worlds um another boat that came out was that uh the beaker moth that looks pretty cool too and um yeah i think there's more there are more options out there that are competitive which it's good for the class because it was getting really hard to get an exocet and and that was the only way to go before and i think now it's a little more open and um you can go a different way and still be really competitive. Well, if, if lockdown, if lockdown is, is fully relaxed in the next month or so in the UK, you better watch out because Stretch and I are starting uh, foiling. Yeah. Oh, boy. I mean, if, if Stretch got in a month, he'd be so fast. I mean, all that leverage and writing moment, holy moly. That'd be sick. <laughs> He'd probably have to reinforce the wings and the shrouds. He probably he's the guy that's gonna be you know spending a lot of money replacing parts. He's, he's gonna make that. He's, he's gonna blow up, but he's gonna be going fast. The first thing that would blow up would be his body, and the second thing would be his head. <laughs> okay, neither of you are selling the moth dream to me right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a dream; it's a nightmare stretch. <laughs> um, We're so, Victor, I think um, Stefan and I are keen. For our, for our listeners to sort of get a bit more of an insight about you. I mean, I think quite a few people have re- will have read about all of your recent successes. You've done incredibly well in, a, in an unbelievably competitive fleet. You seem to like to choose the really competitive boats to race in. Um, but I, but I'd, love to, I'd love to for you to tell us a little bit more about how it all started, because I think it's hugely interesting. We'd love to hear a bit more about your childhood in Puerto La Cruz, Tell everyone where it is and what it was all about. Yeah. Um, thank you, Stretch. I, uh, 
you know, I grew up in Venezuela where I was born and raised. I started sailing when I was, you know, around five years old. I started sailing with my dad. He, you know, he got me into it. He had a racer cruiser that he raced and he invited me to sail with him when I was very young. And I, I really enjoyed it and the adrenaline, the chaos in, in the racing. And then um, he got me an Opti, you know, did, did that. And um, he was really supportive. Him and my mom and my brother were really supportive of me going sailing. And, um, you know, I remember when I got that Opti, I was so thrilled and enthused that um, when there was no, there was only sailing at the beginning on the weekends and, and Friday, Saturday and Sunday. And then, you know, I would convince my dad, I said, dad, I got to go. Then you please go with me. So he would even take, take time off work. So he could take me sailing and, and make me company out there. Cause I was really young. I was seven years old, but uh, you know, I really enjoyed being out there on my own and uh, feeling that freedom and uh, feeling that I had a good job when I was sailing. Cause when I sailed with my dad, they, you know, they said, okay, your job is to hike and hand me a beer. So I said, dad, I want a good job. Come on, let me pull the line or something. So, you know, um, um, Victor, 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 we might have to interrupt. You might have to go down below because we're getting a lot of wind noise. Copy, no problem. Sorry about that. Sorry. No, no worries. Yeah, he's, got, he's got a lot of energy, hasn't he, Stretch? He's on the move the whole time. Oh. Yeah, I know. Yeah. This hatch, and then it's going to be good because it was hot here. He's like a human Jack Russell on ecstasy. <laughs> human Jack Russell, Jesus. No, not Jesus. Okay, here we go. Let's get That's better. Good, good. Okay, great. So, so you, you were sailing with your dad and, and obviously enjoying being the nipper on board his boat. Exactly. And then, you know, I got my boat and I loved that in the Opti. And then when I was around 10, I changed sailing school to, to the school where my dad uh, learned how to sail. It was temporary, temporary closed, but then they reopened and the coach there and the guy that, uh, formed us as athletes and even as you know yeah as, as they the guy that was running that tennis school was an amazing guy he was uh 80 mid he was in his mid 80s when i was 10 years old and um he was an italian guy that came f um after the world war ii and he was a sculptor he was a writer he was a painter he was an architect and he was a skiing world champion and uh, he was also a sailor because he grew up fishing by sail with his folks and then moved to Venezuela and started racing sailboats and totally fell in love with the, with the sailing. And he said, you know what, I'm going to quit everything and just going to sail. And I'm going to, now that I'm older, I'm just going to form champions and I'm going to open a sailing school and this is, all, this is what I'm going to do every day. So that's what he did. And, um, you know, he taught us so, so many great things and, um, you know, uh, he, he told me that if there's something that you want, keep working hard. And, and if you want to be the best, um, you just got to work as hard as you can. And, and you never know when there's someone maybe working harder than you are somewhere else. So you just got to give it your best all the time. He, he was really, um, he was really intense. He's, he would tell us when we were, you know, kids, 12 year olds, Hey, if you don't want to be the best, don't come here. Don't waste my time. It was like, Holy moly. When are we going to get kicked out? It was like, Holy shit. There he, he's coming. He's going to watch this. We're not, you know, working on our boats and we're messing around. But, you know, he was also really fun. He, you know, uh, he kept it fun, but he was really strict and he taught us discipline, hard work. Um, he never went out in the water with me. He, he would explain the theory of sailing, the physics of sailing. And uh, then he would say, okay, now you're going to go out there and experiment with what we talked about and, you know, figure out if you feel better when you sit more forward, you guys go out 
speed test with him sitting all the way back and you sit forward and then switch and uh, things like that. And, and, you know, we were very young and he taught us how to solve problems on our own and how to be creative to, to try new things on our own. At a very young age, and um, gave us a you know a good understanding of, of the physics and theories of sailing. When I think um, you know a lot of people get caught up teaching how and never why, and I think that was a, a really cool experience for me. Um, so, Victor, I mean, uh, what was the competitive sailing like in Venezuela at the time? I mean, who were your opposition and? Yeah, so, you know, in Venezuela, the struggle is that we don't have a lot of sailors like we do here in the U.S. or in the U.K. You know, in the Nationals, we get 20 boats or 25 boats if it was a good Nationals. And I was the only Opti sailor in my sailing school um, where I sailed. So I raced, I remember we'd do rabbit starts and I would duck the sunfish and, and then all the sunfish would start with me. And then they would do, <laughs> they would do two laps and I would do one lap and I kind of, I was a little bit quicker than than them if I did one lap and they did two laps, but I knew more or less how much I had to beat them in that lap by to see if I was doing well or not. Um, but, um, you know, that was really challenging for me to sail alone every day. It took, uh, you know, a lot of willpower and a lot of focus. And, uh, you know, and it was also really, it made it extra exciting when I went to race the nationals or or internationally. I remember when I started racing outside of Venezuela and the, you know, 250 boat regattas, I was like, holy moly, what is going on here? This is insane. I've never seen so many boats. And uh, I remember being really scared and, and nervous. Oh my God. And I remember seeing, oh my God, the guy's from Croatia. He's so good. That guy's from Argentina. He's so good. You know, I just never experienced that before or seen so many boats. So, so I think that's a challenge uh, racing in Venezuela, you know, you don't get exposed to a big fleet. And, but at the same time, I think it was a good experience uh, racing every day on my own. And, and I think that gave me a good feel for boat speed and, and try to listen to a boat because you can't, you know, I didn't have a, a coach but out in the water telling me, you know, pull in the sail or I, I had to think and try to feel. So um, I, I think that was good. And I think I remember reading that you, you then had to move to the US, your parents wanted you to learn English. And then, and so you, when you graduated, you moved to the US. I mean, how is that? Because, you know, new life almost, I suppose. Yeah, you know, um, I, uh, I really enjoyed my life in Venezuela. I went to school from 7 a.m. to 1 p.m. and some days to 12 p.m. And then I had all day off and I lived right next to the beach. So I went sailing every day or, or if not sailing, I remember I got, I got into windsurfing and then I was kind of skipping sailing practice when it was windy to go, windy to go windsurfing. And um, I really loved it there. And, you know, it's a small town. I knew everybody. Everyone knew me. Everyone knew my, my folks. I was friends with everybody. And um, it was really hard. My parents convinced me to go study English in the U.S. And I thought, okay, well, that's not too bad. I'll be gone for six months and then I'll come back and do university in Venezuela. But unfortunately, things in Venezuela got so unsafe for my folks that they decided to leave. And, you know, instead of me going back, they said, hey, sorry, you're not coming back. We're going to go there and you're staying. And I said, oh, my God, this sounds horrible. But, you know, I was studying English. I was on my own. Um, I remember everyone in my, in my English school was older. They were like in their mid-20s or low-20s, and I was 17 or 18. And everyone's like, hey, let's go out. I was like, oh, shit, I can't even get into these bars. This is brutal. <laughs> you know, then um, after that, I started um, sailing when I went to college in St. Mary's. And that was a really pleasant experience. 
um, I think uh, I had a great time there, met a bunch of great friends and, and got to go sailing every day again in a beautiful venue and with great coaches and against great sailors. And um, I think that was good for my sailing uh, as well. You know, I learned a lot, uh, starting tactics, boat handling. And then, you know, after I, I started doing that, I, all of a sudden I was like, I, I actually love it here too. This is a great place. And I'm, you know, I'm really happy I'm here. You know, I think uh, coming here has definitely been great for my sailing career. I've had so many great opportunities to sail with great people, great coaches, um, you know. So um, I'm really glad to be here. Did you, um, did you get really stuck into the whole college team racing thing then, which seems to be so strong over in the U.S.? Yeah, you know, it seems like um, I remember my other foreign foreign friends telling me, if you're not good at team racing, you're not getting. You're never going to start in fleet racing. You got to learn how to team race. And I, go, oh my. and I also remember the coaches asking me, "Do you know how to team race?" And I'm like, "Oh yeah, of course I know how to team race. I used to do that in Optis." And then we went to team race practice. And I'm like, "Holy moly, I don't know anything about team racing." So um, it was really fun to learn and uh, start from zero, and it was really humbling as well. I remember there were some guys that came from. England for the Busa tour and they stayed at my house and that was a really really fun party and also we did some fun sailing it was Ben Saxon oh yeah Tim uh who else was there John Platt Mills I think I, I'm forgetting their last name so they were all really fun and uh, we had a great time cool. well, well Ben Saxon's kicked on hasn't he he's yes I know he's quite the catamaran sailor he's he's done really well so you mentioned you know the science of sailing and some of the opportunities that you've had i would i would say that probably one of the greatest sailors that you've had the opportunity to um step in a boat with would be judd smith yeah oh my god yeah he's epic and you know what not only is he so knowledgeable in sail making sail design he's so um he's so good about teaching younger guys and and giving them uh you know a pat in the back and telling them hey you're good you're going to be fine just keep working hard. And, and to be honest, you know, sometimes in our sport, it feels like, you know, when you're young, older guys can be a, a little hard or, or it, you know, it's, it's a really small industry. So, you know, everyone's really tight with their job. And, and Judd was the one guy that took me under his wing and told me, hey, you know what? You're going to sail with me. You're going to do tactics. We're going to do well. And he just took me under his wing. I was really surprised because when I start sailing with him, you know, I'm, just in awe because I'm sailing with one of the best in the world and and everything I said he said okay no problem and sometimes I said hey John I'm kind of I'm kind of 50 50 on this call what do you think we should do and he said oh I don't know whatever you want um, I trust you you're doing a good job I'm like oh shit this guy is so cool <laughs> um, and uh, that was really cool and, and you know we did the North Americans together and we won and then we made a pact he said okay let's do the worlds together in a year I think we can do well and he always says, I like her chances. I like when he says that. When he says, yeah. I like her chances. You know, you're in good shape. You're in good shape. So, yeah. so we did the Worlds and, you know, it was a really cool uh, experience because, you know, the North Americans was really light air and we won. And we were really fast. But then we show up a year later without sailing together in San Francisco. And, boy, we're getting our ass kicked at the beginning of, of the training. And we did a pre-regatta. And, you know, I had been sailing with other sales. So I kind of... I thought, man, I put, as soon as I put this backstay on, this mane washes out right away and starts luffing like a natural's mane on the leech. Yeah. Can't put any backstay on. So I thought, oh, Joe, why don't we put a little more luff curve? He was like, oh, I don't know. And then he said, okay, we'll try it. And 
and uh, we we went to the loft and never seen this done before. And he changed all that so quickly. And I was like, holy shit, this is sick. And you then we lived put, at, uh, Victor, a bit of freestyle loft curving. Exactly. That was that was pretty cool. And um, then we went out sailing. And sure enough, we were quicker. I was like, wow. And believe I was right. That's pretty cool. And Joe was like, okay, well, I guess this is better. And, um, you know, then we ended up being really fast at the Worlds. That was not all of the issue. We, you know, we hadn't sailed in heavy wind. We, we, we refined a lot of things in that practicing period. But, um, you know, then we, the Worlds came around and we were, uh, we were in the mix. We were leading for a couple of days and we ended up third. I remember I, I got nervous after a mark rounding and I made a call for a jive set and that went from bad to worse. But, you know, we were in the mix and uh, we had a shot and, and I think we were happy with that. And then later on, we kept trying to team up again and then we ended, we ended up winning uh, in uh, Puerto Cervo together with Willem, Peter Duncan and Judd. And, and that was a really fun team. So, you know, every time I get a chance to sail with him, I, I take that chance. And I also have tried to bring him as a coach in uh, my recent programs. We did the J70 Worlds in the UK and and he was our coach, and he was super helpful. We ended up second there, but, you know, we also had a shot at one point, and we're close. A word on the street is if you're in the fleet, you will always be watched, and there's a pretty high chance you're going to be on the podium. <laughs> Thanks. That's very good. Those uh, are kind words. You're too kind. But um, <laughs> I'm, never, I'm never kind, Victor. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, uh, you know, some other guys that have been great to sell with have been Willem. He also took me under his wing, and he kind of introduced me to – Everybody in the industry, you know, he got me in good programs, got me sailing with him, and, and he really taught me the work ethic. I've never seen someone, you know, work so hard in one in a day of sailing than Willem. He, he gets to the boat before anybody in the yacht club, and he leaves after anybody. And, so we should, um, um, Victor, we should say for our listeners, that's Willem Van, Van Way, isn't it? Yeah, yeah that's Willem Van Way. And, and uh, you know, every time I get a chance to sail with him, I'm, I'm also thrilled to do that. And, and you know, I sail with a some other good guys like Bill Hardesty and, and always try to learn everything I can and, and see. seems like every, every successful sailor or every really good guy has, uh, you know, something they really focus about, uh, really focus at. And, um, you know, I try to notice those things and, and learn. So, so Victor, for your, for your pro sailing career, which you've come out the blocks and, and done incredibly well, um, but it's interesting. You seem to be taking on the really competitive fleets, as, as I said earlier. What, what is your focus for the next five years? What, what boats do you want to try and dominate in? Where do you want to get better? And what do you want to do? Um, yeah, you know, I, I enjoy the one design fleets. I think that's, um, that's where you can showcase or with, where skill is showcased the most. You know, I think the skill has the biggest in, impact in that fleet, in a one design fleet. And, uh, I just enjoy the tight racing, close racing. I, I like trying to make a boat faster than, than another identical boat. I really enjoy that. So maybe that's why I focused on, and maybe I also had my mentors happen to be some of the best in those kind of fleets, so that naturally made me go that route. You know, I, I uh, enjoyed the moth sailing. Um, I thought trying something technical was good for me to learn. You know, having the freedom of changing anything you want on, on that boat is a really fun thing to do to experiment things and really understand, you know, physics of sailing and, and uh, different ideas. But uh, in terms of my sailing, I, I would like to keep improving my game in the one design stuff. You know, for me, that's the most attractive. And um, I would love to be able to do some um, America's Cup sailing or Volvo 
bow ocean race. Although I've never, you know, done any offshore stuff, but I, I would like to get into it. And, you know, those are the pinnacles of our sport, you know, the Volvo and, Amer and the America's Cup. So I would love to be involved at some point in, in some of those programs. And, um, you know, that's something that I keep in the back of my head. And, and um, you know, part of the reason I got the moth was because I thought that was maybe, uh, you know, a way to get into the cup. And um, I've had some phone calls about um, and opportunities coming up in the future. So I'm, I'm hopeful that that will happen at some point you know, in my career. And you've had a flirtation on the world match racing circuit as well. Yes. Uh, um, you know, we're in the streets that I'm really, I'm really, I'm a really good match racer because I'm uh, two for two, man. Yeah. I joke around that I should, you know, I should retire because, uh, you know, I could only get worse from here, but no, I did uh, the, a couple of years ago. I sailed with Taylor Canfield, who is my good friend. And that was a really, fun experience he's super talented and, and really good at that stuff and uh, we had a really fun team and uh we ended up winning both events that we did and uh i would like to do more for sure um that, that was really really fun and also am i i'm, I'm not 100 percent sure you were sort of involved with the sail gp us team is that right yeah um i did uh some uh, team building um stuff with them here in miami um I was going to be on with them for the season. And uh, I think uh, things change very quickly with that series in terms of budgeting and rules. And, and then, you know, there was a period where we weren't sure whether I was going to be able to do it or not. And, and I had a lot of conflict with other fleets. So, you know, I decided, you know what, I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to just keep doing what I'm doing because I have a great thing going on in the wine design fleet and I don't want to, take any chances where you know this might not work out and and uh, then i'm in a place where i don't want to be but um you know i i enjoy all those guys um most of those guys on that team are my friends and you know they're they're great sailors and um i would like to be involved in the future for sure um we i've done a lot of moss sailing with rome and we we were tuning partners for the worlds in bermuda and and uh, i think we pushed each other hard and, and we both elevated our game he was third and and I was fifth. I got the short end of that stick, but that's okay. He, he kicked my ass. I forgot. I think I you've got really time well. on your side, though, Victor. Yeah, you know, I'll, I'll be back sometime soon in the, in the Moth Fleet. Now, out, outside of sailing, a little dicky bird told me that you've been getting rather good at freediving. Well, I don't know if I'm getting very good at it yet, but I'm working hard at it. And I actually was late to these interviews, I'm sorry, because we were freediving. Um, and uh, it was really fun. Um, I, the deepest I went today was 83 feet, and we saw a mako shark that started coming at us. So we had to pick every, all the gear up, get on the boat really quickly. This thing was big. It was scary. And he kind of started circling us and getting closer and closer. And uh, we got on the boat, picked all, picked all the stuff up, and the instructor said, okay, we're done for the day. And I was like, well, I haven't done my, my, you know, my deepest attempt yet. We can't be done. So let's just motor down a couple of miles and try this again. So we did that. And I went 83 feet. And, uh, and we didn't see the Mako shark again. But, uh, you know, yeah, I, I'm really enjoying the free diving. I'm, I'm uh, kind of a hyper uh, guy. I, I like doing, you know, fast things like riding dirt bikes, sailing moths. Um, escaping so from sharks. Escaping from sharks. You um, need to be fast. So... You need to be fast. But, you know, I like the freediving because it's the total opposite. You have to really try to relax 
and lower your heartbeat. Have we lost him, Stretch? We have, just as it was getting to the good bit. Yeah. I thought he was going to tell us that he was he liked living dangerously. He was putting relish on his ankles when he went diving or something for the shark. <laughs> exactly. Chumming the water before diving through it. Yeah. Here we go. He's up. He's back He's up. back. He's back. Hey, sorry, guys. I'm, I'm a piece of work with this technology stuff. I'm very sorry. Don't worry. We filled for you. Do you know what we said to the punters? We said he, you saw a tuna. You dived over the back of the, uh, <laughs> the boat that you're living on, wrestled the Mako shark, dived down to 83 feet, and the Mako shark towed you to the yacht club. So don't worry. Yeah. And I'm, now I'm back. We're definitely getting that in. <laughs> <laughs> it's good to have a youngster fucking it up on the technology side. Ah, oh my God, I know. I'm the worst at techie stuff. Oh, do you want me to play my instrument for you? Yes. Oh, what, what are you playing then? What do you got? Your guitar yeah. or your saxophone? Well, he's got his Venezuelan um, love pipe. Let me just get it going for oh, one second. His what? Venezuelan love pipe? talking yesterday about his Venezuelan musical instrument. You were paying attention, Stretch. Yes. Sirfra <laughs> had too much to drink after we were talking, Stretch, so he doesn't remember. I know. It's, I do apologize. He's just getting very forgetful in his old age. I have to tune it. One sec. Okay. Let's see if I can tune it with my tuner. Which means you're going to lose me. I'm glad we've learned how to edit. <laughs> I reckon we put this one out in full. So, Vic, what is your musical instrument called? It's called a uh, quattro. It's, uh, it has four strings. It's uh, the size is between a ukulele and a guitar. And uh, it's a um, very Venezuelan instrument. You know, If you go to like a church or a venezuelan party in the street everyone you know the musicians are going to have this i saw this in venezuela when i was visiting for a new year's eve party in the church all the musicians congregate outside and i saw them playing and i, I already seen this before but i just saw everyone so happy and just having a great time and these musicians looked like they were having so much fun and i thought oh, it'd be so much fun if i could do that someday so i got back to miami and i, and I googled on uh, miami Quattro classes, quattro lessons. So I found a guy that's epic. He's one of the best. And he and he, he and I became really good friends and he's been teaching me. And uh, his name is Henry Linares. You know, I've also done a lot of parties at my house. Stirfra, have you ever been to my, one of my house parties? No, I was just thinking though, at Dougie's um, 60th last year when the band were playing, you should have been up on stage rather than dancing around. Well, I, I was on stage at one point, but maybe that didn't make the video. I don't remember that. So, you know, after I started learning this instrument, I have hired these guys to come play when, like, for, for example, Bacardi Regatta ends on a Saturday. Everyone stays until Sunday. So I hire these guys and we have like 100 people in my house and they play for a few hours. You know, if anyone wants to go sing with them, they can. And they're really, really good musicians. I mean, they're top-notch musicians. So that, that, that has been a lot of fun for me. In that case, we've, we've got to get you playing, all of our listeners. We've been in lockdown now for three months. We need some... So I should be good. I should be good, right? Well, oh my God. Let's see. So let me tune this thing. I got my iPad here where I can tune it with. Check out. This is my tuner. I used to have a fancy one, but ran out of battery. Oh, my God. See, this I could tell that one was off. This is almost Radio 4 style now, Stretch. Yeah. That was the start, start of the Archers. Yeah. Well, do you remember the Granada TV theme tune? 
Or was it tempo? <laughs> Nothing. You're saying quite how good your tuning is. Um. <laughs> Maybe I'm better at tuning a mask than tuning this thing. <laughs> Take it away. All right, let's see how I can put this phone so you guys can see me while I'm playing. Okay, let's see. You guys want an English song or, uh, or Spanish? Anything tuneful. Anything what? Tuneful. Melodic. Melodic, okay. Yo viví una garza moradándole combate a un río. Así como se enamora tu corazón con el río. Yo viví una garza moradándole combate a un río. Así es como se enamora, así es como se enamora tu corazón con el mío, tu corazón con el mío. Luna, luna, luna llena, vengo a ti. Luna, luna, luna llena, vengo a ti. Anda muchacho a la casa y me trae la carabina y yo pa' mate ese gavilán que no me dé a gallina y yo. That song is really long. I can keep going, but you guys hey, make it. No, I speak to That was Thank brilliant. Thank you. All right. I'm glad you liked it. I mean, we should really ask you, Victor, are you single at the moment? <laughs> I, I am single, yeah. Um, well, look, all, all and ready all, to mingle. I'm kidding. All, all female listeners, Victor has got a lovely boat that he's living on. <laughs> and he's got a house in Miami. And he can play the, um, what do you call it? Called the Quattro. The Venezuelan what? Uh, the Venezuelan Quattro. Yeah, but Stretch calls it something else, which was... Had much know. more innuendo. No, no, no. It's definitely called a Venezuelan quattro. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> Let's not do all the innuendo. We've had enough from Stir Fry about... I think life. Stretch calls it the Venezuelan four. Yeah, there we go. There so, we go. Yeah. <laughs> that's a good instrument to me. I'm actually blown away by that. You're a multi-talented man. Thanks, man. I, you know, I just have fun with it. Uh, I decided that I didn't want a TV at home anymore, so I haven't, you know, I've, I haven't had a TV for a year or, or so, and I, when I'm bored, I do this instead of watching TV, so it would hope I can play a couple of songs, because I've, I've practiced a lot. So, Fran, I always hope that anyone we chat to teaches us something or gives us a bit of help. But the great thing is, is that Stirfry really wants to do free diving, so you can take Stirfry free diving. And, um, and then I want to do free driving. Free driving. Stir fry can, you can take stir fry free diving and then you can teach me how to play the when is it? But <laughs> Have another beer stretch. You can do it. You can teach me how to play the Venezuelan Cuatro. There we go. That was <laughs> good. Muy bien. That was money. Hey, right. hey, Victor, just going off on a tangent, is Spanish the language of Venezuela? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's my first language. That's, that song was in Spanish. And uh, maybe if you could teach Stir Fry one word a week in Spanish, just like Vasco's taught him in Italian. 
Um, oh, really? You can become multi-multilingual. Well, I'll give you a little bit of kind of, I think this is Argentinian Spanish. See if uh, Victor will get this. Hoy está non lloviendo. Hoy está, hoy está lloviendo. That means it's raining today. Thank you. Although well, no, it's well. not. But... I, your accents were very different. Yeah, well, mine's English <laughs> and his is Venezuelan. <laughs> Steer Fry, are you English as well? Yeah. Yeah. Wow, that's cool. For some reason, I thought you were um, you were from New Zealand. Oh, thanks, mate. Yeah. yeah I don't know. A lot of people think he's from Samoa, actually. Yeah, exactly. He's got that yeah, look. Thanks, Stretch. Yeah, like he's like he reminds me. Have you seen that movie Moana? <laughs> yeah, Moana. Well, I haven't seen it. Do I need to watch it? Yeah, he, yeah. You kind of look like a Maui, strong okay. and you know, tan. You know. I think if we got stir fry a grass skirt and one of those big hammers that Maui has, he'd look he'd look exactly like him. Exactly. We just gotta get in the hair. Yeah, we gotta get that hair going. And a few more tattoos. Stir fry. Google Maui. Okay. All right. <laughs> I'm on it. Um, look at this. My my friends are showing up. These are the guys I went free diving with. Oh, dude, I went free diving with a girl. She was so good. That made her automatically way more attractive too. <laughs> I was like, she's pretty hot. She was started going down that rope. I was like, oh, fuck, she's so hot. She isn't was that, epic. Isn't that when you're meant to slow your heart rate down rather than... I know. And so can you imagine how fucking fired up I was today? There's a So you were following her down the rope. <laughs> exactly. I was supposed to, you know, do my breathe-ups with my next dive, but I was just going right behind her. No, so I was, you know, just checking out how good she was. She was really impressive. And then their Mako shows up. And then or my instructor starts yelling and panicking. I was like, hey, no big deal. This is okay. I see sharks a lot. You know? And I was like, fuck, now I have to lower my, my heart rate. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm really interested, Victor. If you're doing 83 feet down, um, how long do you have to hold your breath for? Not very long. Um, so today, the longest dive I had was 105. One minute and five seconds. So when you go down, you're, 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 you're towing yourself down with a weight or not? The kind of freediving we did today was there is a rope that you guide yourself on and you use your arms to pull yourself down the rope and there is a weight at the end of the rope. And you, you, you do that kind of freediving when you're trying something new, like when you're trying to go the deepest you go. Because if you miss an equalization, yeah. if you miss you know, the equalizing, yeah. if you miss one, you can, you know, instead of, feeling more discomfort you can just raise the rope right away and just cleat yourself to it so you don't keep going down and hurt yourself more right you see but you know usually when i'm spearfishing i just have my fins and there's no rope you just you know go down um with the fins and then you come back up with the fins but uh to, today i thought i had gone 90 feet before but maybe i haven't and today um i wasn't very relaxed but today when i went 83 feet I still had air to go d deeper, uh, but I felt like when I was equalizing, my air was so compressed that I didn't have, I, I didn't know where to get air to put up my ears. And, you know, it felt like my throat was squeezed and my lungs were squeezed and everything fucking squeezed. And I'm like, oh. I'm like, fuck, now I'm freaking out 83 feet down here. Fuck. <laughs> and then I started going up and I started relaxing again. Like, okay, I'm going to be fine. Chill, chill. You're going to be fine. Uh, it's amazing. It's all a mind game. Um, I, I'm breathing. Yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think I'm really happy to leave stir fry to the free diving. Free diving. Yeah, don't want free diving. Cool stir fry, we're going to kill it. And then if I can maybe come moth sailing with you and we'll 
both go to stir fries memorial service shortly <laughs> after. <laughs> it's good. I mean, yeah, I'm telling you, once you get on the foils in a month, stretch, you're going to be going so fast. I'm uniquely frightened about the entire prospect, but I can't. Well, we've, we've got the baby starter kit. We're going on a, on a wasp. You're kidding. Hey, guys, look. This is my buddy, Antonio. He has the Pan American record. He still holds the record for, a free, for a dynamic apnea. So that means he went the longest distance horizontally on the pool. Whoa. Yeah, so he's my teacher. He's from Venezuela. Okay. Yeah, can we you play the quattro? No, I don't think so. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> um, we better let you um, catch up. We'll let you get on, Victor. Hey, guys, that was so much fun. Thank you very much. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. Oh, thank you. You're absolutely yeah. wonderful to listen to. Thank you very, very much. Look forward to seeing you either in the Etchels or some other boat soon. That'll be great. I think uh, the North Americans, Etchels North Americans are going to happen. So get ready. Try okay. to, you know, make sure you can come here, Sir Frank. That'll be fun. See you soon, matey. See you, Victor. See you, boys. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Bye.